Well, good morning. How are we, Southview? All right. Welcome on this, for some of you, long weekend. Glad to have you with us here today. If you're a guest, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it is fantastic to have you worshiping with us today. Real quick, uh, I want to give you a few announcements. What's going on? It's going to be an all-kids ministry edition to announcements today, all right? We love our kids. We love our kids' ministry. Put a lot of time, energy, effort, resources into that. We believe it is important for the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to give you three announcements related to our kids' ministry that you can plug in and be a part of, all right? Number one is this. Easter is quickly coming upon us. The Sunday before Easter, Palm Sunday, March 24th, we're going to have a kids' ministry Easter celebration. They're going to have games and snacks and things like that during the Sunday morning hour. And then we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for them afterwards uh, with a lunch. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, So two things. One, if you want your child to be a part of that, uh, text the word Easter to our number, 910-424-1298. Second, We need your help, okay? We need help with candy, all right? So here's what we want. All right, listen to me very carefully. We have very specific instructions. Our goal is around 7,000 eggs, all right? Here's what we want. Do not bring pre-packed eggs. Don't do that, all right? Here's what we want you to do. We want you to bring prepackaged candy like this. Now, this bag is already open because I may or may not have been sneaking Sour Patch Kids. Um, They are my kryptonite. So uh, what we want are prepackaged, either fun size or mini size candies like this. 
Bring just the bags in. You can drop them off in the green buckets on outside of the sanctuary. Just bags like this. And then we will make sure the eggs get filled, okay? All we need you to do is bring in candy like this. Prepackaged candy, chocolate, or, or gummy things. I want you to notice a couple of things about these bags. Number one, again, they're prepackaged. Number two, it's not bad candy, okay? All right, so we want to have good candy, prepackaged, all right? Bring that in. Uh, we would wonderfully, wonderfully appreciate that, uh, your assistance with that. Second, our kids' ministry, Vacation Bible School, is coming upon us. It's going to be here in June, June 10th through the 14th. Uh, registration to be a volunteer is going to be March 1st. Registration for your kids is going to be March 25th. But go ahead and put that on the calendar, all right? June 10th to the 14th. And then lastly, with our kids' ministry, we've got some great opportunities for you to serve with our kids. All times, 9.30 Sunday, school, uh, Sunday morning hour, 11 o'clock Sunday morning hour, Wednesday evenings at 6.30. We have all kinds of opportunities for you. We would love for you to pray about being a part of our kids' ministry. Again, we believe this is a valuable part of the kingdom of God. We believe God loves kids. We believe that it is strategically important for us to reach our kids, explain the gospel, lead them to faith in Christ, and teach them how to love and serve Jesus. Um, statistically speaking, 80% of people who are Christians became Christians at the age of 12 or younger. 80% became Christians as elementary age children. This is significantly profound and important for us. We believe for eternity's sake, having a solid, biblically faithful, well-staffed, Gospel-believing, gospel-proclaiming, kid-loving, kids' ministry is of eternal importance. We want you to help us do that, okay? So if you'd like to be a part of that, there's some opportunities there. You can contact myself or just call the church office. We'll put you in touch with Miss Emily Sellers, who heads up our kids' ministry, and she'd love to chat with you about the opportunities that we have there, okay? Uh, but for all our other announcements, everything they have going on, you can download our app, iTunes, Google Play. You can give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. And if you're a guest with us, I want you to do two things for me. Number one, we'd love to connect with you. You can do that in two ways. You can either text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Or second, you can take your phone and just snap the QR code in, in the back of the pew in front of you, okay? Uh, that'll send you to a link, answer a couple of quick questions just so we know that you were here. And then also, I'd love for you after the service, my wife and I will be up front. Come up, say hello, introduce yourself. We'd love to meet you and say hi. Now, for us here today... As we're worshiping together, I want to begin with some scripture, all right? Um, uh, we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 7, and I want to read verses 7 and 8 to you, all right? Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. The question that I'm going to ask of us today is, when Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened, question, do you believe him? Do you believe him? Second part of that question is, 
does your lifestyle and prayer life show that you believe him? Today, I'm asking us to really look hard at the mirror and ask ourselves, do we pray? Do we really pray? And then what would God desire for a prayer life individually and for us as a congregation to look like? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me now as we, we go into our time of worship. It, it, and God, right now, I just pray for us the greatest driver of us being a people of prayer is to see you for who you are, worship you for who you are, be in love with you for who you are, and that is going to send us running to you in prayer. So I pray, God, as we worship you today, God, the eyes of our hearts will be open to see you clearly for who you are, love you, worship you, pursue you for your glory. God, reveal yourself to us today. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me, guys. And let's worship Jesus Christ together.
Jesus, this is our prayer, this is our desire, that anything and everything in our lives that does not look like you just gets melted away. I pray you'll do this in us today, God, for your glory. We thank you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Matthew chapter 7 together, all right? Matthew chapter 7. So uh, if you've been with us, we're in a little series here beginning of the year uh, called Mission Vision. The idea is what's God called us to be as a church, who God's called us to be as a church, and how do we live that out? What we've said is our mission is South Youth Seeks to fulfill the Great Commission, by discipling people to worship Christ as their greatest treasure, nurture a relationship with Christ in others, and be a witness for Christ in the world. So the upshot of it is we believe that God has called us to tell people about Jesus, see people come to know Jesus, and then teach them how to practically follow Jesus, right? It's, it's actually not complicated. And the language that we're using to put some flesh and bone on that for us as a church is worship, nurture, witness. And the idea is we're calling people to worship Christ as their greatest treasure. We get that from Matthew 22. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Nurture. Um, we believe that Christianity is, is a community project. You cannot grow in the faith without brothers and sisters in Christ loving you, encouraging you, nurturing that relationship in you. So a disciple is someone who allows other people to nurture a deeper love for Jesus in them, and they seek to nurture others, do the same thing, and they witness, right? We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, God making his appeal through us. Asking others to be reconciled to him. So nurture, worship, witness. This is, this is our mission. And then we said, okay, let's talk about our core values. What are the things that we want to build our foundation on? Jesus says in Matthew uh, 7, right, that if you build your house on the rock, when the wind and waves come, it'll stand. But if you build on the sand, when the wind and waves come, it'll fall down. And so the question we're asking is, well, how do we build the ministry here on a rock of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? A solid foundation. That's where our core values come in. How we do ministry is going to shift and change. It's going to look different. But what's the foundational things that cannot change? We're walking through that, and what we've said our core values are our commitment to the Bible, gospel transformation, devoted to prayer, disciple-making, missional living, biblical community, and kingdom expansion. A couple weeks ago, we looked at our first core value, commitment to the Bible. What we said was we believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God that points us to Jesus as the greatest treasure in the universe. Because of this, we commit ourselves to personal and corporate study of the Word through expositional preaching and teaching and joyfully submit ourselves to the Scriptures as the Holy Spirit uses them to draw us closer to the Father. What we're saying here is the Bible, we believe, is the authoritative Word of God and we want to line our lives and our ministries up in accordance with it. Right? We submit ourselves joyfully to God's Word. Second core value we saw last week was gospel transformation. By that, we mean that we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died and rose again to rescue, redeem, and restore all who believe in him. Because of this, we practice gospel-centered model for ministry that focuses on Jesus Christ as the source, motivation, and power of the Christian life. So think about it like this. Um, Jesus is the engine, not the caboose. Okay? Um, sometimes like we, we try to find other things to drive us in life. 
What we're saying is Jesus is the engine that drives the train. You hook yourself to Jesus. The whole point of Christianity is Jesus gave his life for you in order that he may give his life to you so that by faith he can now live his life out through you. Everything is about the fact that Jesus died for you in your place, buried in the grave in your place, rose again in your place, now ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is now able to live out the Christian life through you. Everything is about gospel transformation, who Jesus has made me to be through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then that comes to today. Our core value we're going to focus on today is that we want to be a people who are devoted to prayer. Um, what we mean by that is we believe that only through prayer will we see lives changed and our relationship with Christ strengthened. Because of this, we seek to equip every member in prayer, engage in corporate prayer, and devote ourselves to prayer continually. Um, so there are two verses that I use when I pray for us as a congregation. So when I get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. Uh, I'm going to make myself um, a pot of coffee. Um, I did not say a cup of coffee. Um, I'm literally making myself a pot of coffee. Uh, and uh, then I go in my office there at, 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 at our house. And, and in my office there, uh, I've got a prayer board set up. And so when I go in, I've got sticky notes on this. In front, and, so I, and I put sticky notes on there, things I'm praying through, uh, things I'm praying for. Uh, and one of the things I'm praying for, obviously, is you. And I pray that God would empower us and allow us to be a people of God individually and together corporately as a church that is devoted to prayer. And there are two scriptures I use as the foundation for that prayer. All right, first is in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. This may be the first time any of you have ever heard the book of Zechariah ever quoted in church. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. Um, I grabbed a hold of this verse uh, when reading about the life of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, uh, a couple of things about him you may not know about him. So probably the greatest pastor theologian in American history. Um, He was also the great-grandfather of Aaron Burr, which you did not know until a hip-hop musical was created. So Jonathan Edwards says this scripture, Zechariah 12.10, is the verse that he prayed over his church that he believes led to the greatest revival America has ever seen. So what... What's he praying here? Asking that the Spirit of God would pour out on us, on our congregation, grace, pour out a a spirit of grace and prayer. That we would be saturated with prayer. That we would love prayer and give ourselves to prayer and pursue God in prayer and see many answers to prayer. That That a spirit of grace and prayer just be poured out on us. Uh, another verse that I use is Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. I pray this over us all the time. The reason I pray this verse is because of that first word, devote. I am not praying that we would pray. I'm praying that we would devote ourselves to prayer. And the two are very different. Right? We all have things in our lives that we do 
And then we have things in our lives that we're devoted to. Right? And they're not the same thing. Right? There are things in your life that you just do, and then there are things in your life where you devote yourself to it. You give yourself to it. You love it. You crave it. You think about it when you wake up. You think about it when you go to bed. Like You devote yourself to this thing. That's what I'm praying over us. That God would pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on us, and that God would allow us and empower us and drive us and lead us to devote ourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it constantly with thanksgiving. This is my desire for us. Um, And this is, to be quite honest, not the norm for churches. I wish that it was, but it's not. According to Barner Research, the average American Christian spends three minutes a day in prayer. Also, the same study said that the average American pastor spends roughly seven minutes a day in prayer. Now, on one hand, as pastors, we can look and go, more than double, yeah. Um, Not quite sure that's the win that we're looking for, though. As you think about that, the average American Christian praying three minutes a day, that, that would also include before you eat your meals, like all, all, the whole thing. Three minutes. And the average American pastor, seven minutes. Could this be why we see such a lack of power in the American church? Such a lack of power. We look at society just barreling to hell. And there are a legion of reasons as to why that might be. But one that we have to be honest and look in the mirror could also be, we are not a praying people anymore. We're just not a praying people anymore. I got a buddy of mine that travels and preaches you know, revivals and conferences and that sort of thing. And uh, he's gotten in the habit of whenever he goes into a new town, one of the things he does, he swings into the first gas station he comes to. He walks in and goes up to the clerk at the counter and says, excuse me, I need someone to pray for me. Can you point me to a church that's a praying church? He said, I've been doing it for 20 years. Only once has someone said, I know exactly where you need to go. Normally people go, My point in saying that is, how great would it be, not for us and not for our glory, but because we want to see God do a great thing, how great would it be if when someone asked a question, a new military uh, family, PCSs in the area, and they were to ask the question, where can we find a church that we know is going to pray? And the answer would be Southview. We're just known as a praying church. We, we, we pray almost as if we believe God does stuff when we do it. That's the desire. That's the hope. Historically, God has done this. He has worked mightily, powerfully, miraculously through people and churches that pray. I'll give you a few examples. Um, One of my heroes in the ministry, if you've been here longer than 10 minutes, you know Charles Spurgeon. Um, It would not be a sermon here if I did not quote Spurgeon or C.S. Lewis. I try to work those in pretty much constantly. Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. 
Now, you've got to understand the context behind a guy like Spurgeon giving that quote. You know what his nickname is? The Prince of Preachers. At the age of 27, he was so phenomenal as a preacher, he had around 10,000 people that would cram into his church every Sunday to hear him preach, including the Queen of England. And he said, preaching's great. Man, I'd rather preach. I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Why would he say that? Because he knows true fruit in preaching only comes through prayer. It's not the words. It's not the preaching. T.W. Hunt, another giant in prayer, says, History belongs to those who pray. And Samuel Chadwick, the missionary, said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Brothers and sisters, we need to be people of God who stop trying to do things in our own strength, in our own ability, in our own words, in our own wisdom, and we fall on our knees and we pray. This is what Satan fears. So, as we think about what are the core values for us as a church, it, it would be sinful for us not to say a devotion to prayer is, 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 the, found, it is the foundation. Like it, it, it's all we've got. Like this, is, this is how we believe fruit in ministry is going to happen. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to be saved. God's going to be glorified through the prayers of his people. We've got no choice but, devote our, but to devote ourselves to this. So with that... Let's jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Let's see what Jesus says here. Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The big idea Jesus is pushing here is a command that we would all pray. Um, If you're a note taker, we're going to break this down into two things, all right? Two kind of categories. Number one, we devote ourselves to prayer because of who God is. And number two, we devote ourselves to prayer because of what God does through prayer. So as we look at this passage, let's do the, we're going to kind of go backwards. We're going to do the bottom part first and then the top part. Okay, so let's jump down to verse 9. Matthew 7, verse 9. And I want us to tackle first this idea that we devote ourselves to prayer because of who God is. Look at verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone, or if we ask for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus teaches his disciples to pray through the context of God as our great dad, as our father. You see this also when Jesus is doing the, teaching the Lord's Prayer, right? The disciples come to Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, okay, then pray like this. Our what? Father. Right? He, everything is through this idea that God is a good dad. And what he's saying here in verses 9 through 11 is, look, if we as sinful, fallen men 
still love our kids enough to give them what is good and not give them something that's going to harm them and seek to care for them and love them and bless them and protect them and provide for them. And we're fallen, sinful humans. If we would do that, how much more, God? Here's the big point that I want you to see, okay? We can ask questions about why we don't pray, why we don't pray, why we don't pray. Here's the big thing. And there may be some practical things of, you know, we, we want to teach you a little better how to pray and, and, and all those sorts of things. But here's the big truth. You ready? The reason that you and I do not pray more than we do is because we do not have a full and complete understanding of who God really is. If you and I understood more clearly who God really is, his glory, his worth, his might, his power, his love, his grace, his compassion, his mercy, if we really understood who he is, we would pray more. It ultimately comes down to that. The key to you and I being more fervent and more passionate and more desirous in our prayers is us having a greater, clearer, biblical picture of who God really is. When you know who he is, you know I have no choice. I have to run to him in prayer. He's the only place I can go. Who is this God? Uh, look at Psalm 103, 1 through 5. I'll throw it up on the screen. Listen to who God is. Bless be the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Verse 3, listen to who God is, what he does. This God who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Here's my point. If you believe that's who God is, this is the God that will forgive all of my sins and heal all our diseases and, 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 and redeem my life from the pit and give me the strength that I so desperately, desperately need. That's who God is. You go to him in prayer. The reason we don't do that, the reason I don't do that more than I do, is because I need a better, clearer picture. I need the eyes of my heart to become even more open and enlightened to who this great God is. This is why time in the Word and time in prayer go hand in hand. For a couple of reasons. One, the Bible gives language to your prayers. This is why the Bible is so important. It gives language to your prayers. It, it shows you what to be praying for. One of the things I strive to do is pray Scripture back to God. Right On my prayer board, in my office at home, every prayer request that I have up there, I attach a verse to it. I, I, I try my best to attach a verse to every single thing I'm praying through. Why? Because I want to always remind God of what he said. Did he forget? No. But I love, again, I'll throw another Spurgeon quote. Because why not? Prayer is ultimately about reminding God what he already said. That is ultimately what we're doing here. We're reminding God to be faithful to what he's already promised to do. 
The reason Scripture also is so important in our prayer is because the more time we spend in the Word, the more time we understand who God is, His character, His nature, His desire, His ways, His will, His longings, His heart for us. The more you understand who God is, the more you see a clear picture of who He is, the more you desire to pursue Him in prayer. This is why we devote ourselves to prayer Because of who God is. You know, another great biblical example of this is in Luke 15, the prodigal son story. You really see the father heart of God. If you're familiar with the story, you've got this young son um, who decides to run off and blow all dad's money on loose living. And then at some point he realizes, oh no. I need to come home. And the reason he comes home, and it's important to understand the story, and we'll read a little portion of it here in a second. The reason this kid went home is because he knew his dad's heart. Now, he came in, we'll see, wanting to just be one of the hired servants. He wasn't expecting to come back to full son status. But the reason he went back home is because at his heart, he knew who his dad was. And so let's see who his dad is. Verse 20 of Luke 15. We'll put it up on the screen. And he, that's the son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. The number one reason you should devote yourself to prayer is because who God is. When we see how big and gracious and merciful and kind and loving and powerful God is drawn to him in prayer. No matter how off we may feel, just like this prodigal son, he still came back to the father. Why? Because he knew who his dad was. And the reason you and I pursue God in prayer is first and foremost because we understand who our great dad really is. So we go after him. But the second thing I want you to see is, 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 is important as well. Jump back up to the first part, verses 7 and 8. We devote ourselves to prayer because of what God does through prayer. I read this to you earlier. Let's hit it again. Verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. The good thing about being a preacher, the interesting thing about being a preacher, a Bible teacher for a living, is there are some verses you have to explain what it means. There are some verses you don't have to explain what it means. You just have to look at everybody and go, so why aren't we believing that? The interesting thing about verses 7 and 8 is it doesn't take a lot of explanation. Like, it, it just is what it says. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then verse 8, he doubles down on it again. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks the door will be opened. So my question isn't, do we understand what that verse means? My question is, so why do we live like we don't? 
Why do we live like we don't? Like, it's not complicated. And for the record, this is not a one-off. This is the consistent teaching of the Bible. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of verses out at you rapid fire. I apologize. But this is what I'm going to do, all right? So just let these kind of wash over you. If you want them, let me know. I can get them to you. Listen to what the Bible says over and over and over about prayer. Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Luke eleven nine. 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. John 14, 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. John 16, 23 and 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 1 John 3.22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And then 1 John 5.14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him over and over and over and over pray ask and it will be given now real quick i want to look at that last scripture that i gave you first john five because there's a phrase in there i've been doing church stuff for a long time anytime i teach on prayer this is always the question i'm going to get so let's chat about it A little important phrase there in 1 John 5. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Very important. Let's chat about it. Because here's what happens. People get that phrase in their brains, and it paralyzes them in prayer. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's God's will. I don't know if it's God's will. I guess, I guess if it's God's will, he'll just do it, right? I mean, well, God's going to do his will. So what does this mean? One, this does not mean that you have to understand and know the exact specific how he's going to work things out, will of God, in order to pray for something. Right? You're praying the exact thing that God's going to do in the exact same way, so God just did it because he was going to do it, and then you prayed, and it really didn't matter that you prayed because he's going to do it anyway. So here's what it means to pray according to the will of God. Do you, again, this is why the Bible is so important. It's not understanding the specific will of how a certain thing is going to work out. It's understanding the revealed will of God, his heart, his desire for his world and his people. Do you understand his heart? It is the will of God that the people of God bear out fruit in his name. 
It is the will of God that the people of God forgive one another. It is the will of God that marriages be reconciled. It is the will of God that people get saved. This is the will of God. How he's going to do that, what that looks like, when, where, how, what. That's all in the secret will of God that he works out in his mind and accomplishes in his ways. But we can stand with confidence knowing from God's word what his heart is and what he desires. Well, what if I pray for something and it's not God's will? He ain't going to do it. That's why they pay me the big bucks. But you know what else the Bible says? The little brother of, of Jesus, James, he says in his letter, but listen, there are things in this world and in this life you do not have. And you know why you don't have them? You haven't asked for it. What the Bible does teach is, in the Lord's Prayer, the sovereign will of God is that he brings his will and ways to earth through the prayers of his people. This is the will of God that he bring his ways, his will, his desire, his kingdom to earth through our prayers. And if we don't pray, it doesn't happen. How does that work? I don't know. But the Bible is clear. Prayer works. Prayer matters. Prayer is the chosen manner in which God is bringing things to this earth. And if we do not pray, there are things that we will not see. So what do we do when we pray for things and God doesn't answer? We trust him. Man, that's happened to me more times than I can count. And it's, it's weird, man. I've prayed for people and seen miraculous, and I've prayed for people in and seen them die. We had one lady that we were praying for. She had a um, serious spinal neck uh, issue, and she was going to have to go in for a very serious extensive surgery. She was going to be bedridden for about six months. She had four little kids. No one, how are we going to do this? She was going in for a final consultation with the doctor that next week. Before her surgery, she came by and just said, can, can, can you just pray for me? Absolutely. So I prayed. Marie was there. A couple of our ladies uh, from the church were there. And um, uh, Marie and the ladies placed their hands on her, and, and, uh, and I prayed for her. And, and, and after about three minutes of praying, um, our, uh, one of our ladies just um, that had her hand kind of back here just went, oh, like, what? Like, did did a mouse just run across the floor? Like, I don't know what happened right now. And she said, I, I felt it move. Like, like her entire spine just went, burp. Like, it just moved. And she said, the, the, the lady we were praying for, she said, wait a second. I, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing right now. She said, what do I do? It's like, well, like Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, go to your doctor. Go. Keep that up. Should I cancel my appointment? You should go to your doctor. And so she went and she had the scans and the MRI, the whole thing. And the doctor said, you're fine. There's no need for a surgery. You're healed. Amazing. Still to this day, perfectly fine. And there have been people that have been sick and we have fasted and prayed and anointed with oil and, and they died. And, and what do you do with that? Now, those saints are in heaven today, worshiping Jesus 
face to face and they would not want to come back to this earth for anything in the world. But what do you do with the fact that you pray for one thing and it happens and another thing and it doesn't happen the way that you were praying for? What do you, what do, you do with that? I think the short answer is you trust God with it. But here's the important thing. And, and, and I want you to hear just this one last point. Um, our experiences cannot override God's word. Our experiences cannot override God's word. Well, I prayed and it did not happen. I understand. And there may be a lot of things going on. God's working things that we can't see and understand. I know. But that does not mean we stop praying. We devote ourselves to prayer because what God does through prayer. So our core value here is we are devoted to prayer. We believe that only through prayer will we see lives changed, a relationship with Christ strengthened. And because of this, we seek to equip every member in prayer, engage in corporate prayer, and devote ourselves to prayer continually. We want to devote we want you to devote yourself to prayer in your personal life and we want to lead in that in a church. And so here's one of the things that we're going to start to do that. Okay? So announcement. Something that we're going to begin doing is the very first day of every month. We'll start March 1st, and then we'll do it again April 1st, May 1st, June 1st. You know. So we'll start March 1st. What we're going to do is this. The very first day of every month, we're going to be calling the people of Southview Baptist Church to a day of prayer and fasting. We're going to do that the first day of every month. Um, we're going to provide for you as that day gets close every month. We'll provide for you prayer prompts, scriptures, things specifically to be thinking about in prayer. We'll be looking for opportunities to, to receive prayer requests from you, to give out to people, all those sorts of things, right? We'll be, and we'll be building this thing out as we go each month. We'll hopefully get a little better at it, but this is the plan, right? We, wanna, we won't want to wait till we got it all figured out. We figure we should probably just start praying. So we're going to start doing that on March 1st. A day of prayer and fasting. A couple of things. Um, as we get closer and as we walk through this, I'll provide some more teaching on fasting. Um, Jesus says about fasting, um, when he's teaching on fasting, he says, when you fast, do it like this, not if, but when. The implication is that Christians will fast. Um, the Bible also says that there are things that can only happen in this world through prayer and fasting. It accomplishes things that cannot be accomplished otherwise. Now, let me say this. I know that there are people in our congregation because of health reasons, you cannot go a day without food. That would be extraordinarily unwise and in those situations I understand, God understands, modify that to what you need to do, okay? Understand that. Perfectly fine. Can I also say this though? I think for the vast majority of people in our church, that is not the case. Listen to me, okay? The fact that not eating, not eating gives you a headache and makes you grumpy ain't a medical issue. Okay? Right? But, it, but I get hungry when I don't eat. Yeah. That's the way it works. Right? That's not, that's not unique or special to you. That's called humanity. And can I just say this also, and I just to be very blunt and honest, and we just need to, as we teach through fasting in, in the months to come, 
we just need to make sure we understand this. Fasting is supposed to be hard. That's the, I can't fast, it's so hard. <laughs> I know! That's the idea. It's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be halfway through it and be really tempted to stop. That's supposed, you're like, well, I tried, it, it, you, you, we wait for these magical moments in time where obeying God is not going to be difficult. Not realizing that the whole point of obeying God is sometimes it's supposed to be difficult. That's why you're having to obey. So yeah, man, fasting's hard. And, and, and all those people you've been trying to get together with for lunch are all going to text you on that day. Like it just happens. It's amazing. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. And yes, it's going to be difficult. And yes, every single commercial you see is going to be about food. But here's the point. At those times when it's hard, when, when, when you want to give up, when you're tempted to give in, at that moment, you press into Jesus. And you say, God, I really want to eat. But I want you more. So I'm abstaining from something that my body needs because I know my soul needs you even more than that. And I believe that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm pressing in to you. God help me. That's the point. That's the point. You crave God. You crave the works of God, the ways of God more than anything this world gives you, even something that God has designed your physical body to crave and need. You crave Him more. You need Him more. You want Him more. That's the point. So yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And yes, you're going to be tempted to give in. And you're, you're going to be sloppy with it. And it's going to be a learning process. But are you willing to are you willing to give it a shot? Are you willing to trust God and seek God for everything? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. Um, as we end our time together here today, I want to give you a chance to pray. Our band is going to lead us, and, and we're going to stand and sing. And I want to encourage you as we do that, Maybe today you need to confess your lack of praying to God. Maybe today you need to take a little time and, um, and ask God to give you a, a bigger, clearer understanding of who He is so that you'll desire Him and pursue Him more. But I want to encourage you this morning as we pray, sing give yourself to the Lord as, as a living sacrifice a living sacrifice committed to him desiring to see him do great work God I do pray this over us
pray that you would pour out a spirit of grace and prayer over Southview Baptist Church. Pour out your spirit on us, God. Make us a people of prayer. I pray that you would empower us to be people who don't just pray, but are devoted to it. We give ourselves to it. God, let this be us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. Let's pray together.
thank you, Jesus, just for the fact that you were a sacrifice for us so that we can now be living sacrifices for you. I pray, Jesus, that you would make us men and women mighty in prayer. Thank you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, real quick before you leave, can you have a seat just for a quick second? I want to introduce a couple of folk to you. In fact, if everybody can just come on up, Tuckies and the Lipscombs, come on up, guys. Travis, Joanna, Bryce, and Holly, just come on up, guys. Uh, so we had uh, new members last week, and then we had some families that weren't able to be part of that. So we're going to introduce them today, and we got a couple more actually next week as well. Uh, so just want to introduce everyone to you. So uh, over here we got Bryson and Holly uh, Lipscomb. Uh, They've um, been, goodness, hanging out here at Southview for, for such a long time and um, actually went through the new member process a long time ago. Bryson got sent to Korea. Uh, and then came back and sent me a text last week. He's like, hey, so we never actually got up front. Like, oh, I totally knew that. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. 100%. Uh, you guys busy on Sunday? So bringing them forward, excited. Just got a whole family from little ones all the way up, plugged into to life and ministry here. And so if you're excited about the Lipscomb family coming and be a part of life and ministry officially now here at Southview, just let them know by saying amen. 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 Travis and Joanna come with a whole crew of their own um, from uh, little ones all the way up through youth, plugged into life and ministry, just jumped in with both feet right here at Southview. And we're just so honored and excited to have them here and be a part of life and ministry here at our church. Just such a great, fantastic family. So if you're excited about uh, the Tuckies, Travis and Joanna and their whole crew coming and be a part of uh, life here at Southview, let them know by saying amen is also Amen. We're so excited. So excited. So let's end our time today praying for these families, lifting them up, and uh, praying for you as well. All right? So let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the Tuckies. We thank you, God, for the Lipscombs. We thank you, God, just, just in your grace, allowing just awesome people like this to, to feel led by you to be a part of what you're doing here. Just thank you, God, for that. I pray, God, just your hand of blessing on them, on their families. Uh, God, that they would just bear much fruit for your glory. We just thank you for them, God. Um, we pray, God, for our whole congregation again. We ask you, God, that you would pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on us as a church, that we will be people full of grace and absolutely abounding in prayer. And I cannot think of a better place to call a church home place overflowing with grace and prayer. Lord God, let this be us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.